Please fasten your seatbelts. The skies are rough and our two pilots have no idea where they're going. So kick back, relax, and enjoy your flight on no blackout dates. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. They have these fetishes where they will pay any amount to see you do this. They want to buy things from you, like send me dirty socks and like that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, well shit, okay. Like I, I bought these socks for $10, but I'm gonna sell them to you for a thousand. Would you follow Tim if he made a, an, an OnlyFans for his hat influencing? I already followed Tim's OnlyFans. You just don't know about it yet. Nice, you're my first fan. My first fan. Woo. What's up guys? Welcome to another episode of No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. I'm Tim. And we're talking to Lauren Blake of OnlyFans fame today. Lauren leveraged her success on OnlyFans into hosting her own travel show. And we're going to get all your burning OnlyFans questions answered. All the stuff you've always wondered but never wanted to ask in public. We've got it. But first, we would not dream of going any further before hitting you with some hot takes. And we've got some absolute... Door slammers today, right, Tim? Door slammers, door slammers only today. Only door slammers. Forget only fans. We're on we're on onlydoorslammers.com. That's where we subscribe to. Tim, you want to hit me with yours? Yeah, man. So this is my first one. What is your number one flying hack? Oh, ordering a second dinner. That's right. That's right. I know that hundred percent that you've discussed this before, but I'm I'm curious. Is that something that you do even on shorter? You know, maybe like a three hour flight. Uh, well, no, if there's no, if there's no dinner to be had, you can't order a second dinner. If you can find a way to get a second dinner without having gotten a first dinner, then I'd love to hear it. But I'm trying to think, uh, just to go back to the second dinner thing. I did talk about this on a podcast before, but basically long haul flights, they bring you that dinner. It's pretty small. If they have extras, which they almost always do. And you ask like, Hey, can I get a second dinner? They will bring it to you. So that's my favorite hack by far. Short haul flights. I think a good hack is always asking the desk uh, the, or the gate agent at the desk before you um, board the flight if there is an upgrade available for like an exit row. Not to first class, but like to an exit row or to closer to the front of the plane or um, in an aisle seat if you don't want to be in a middle seat that you've been assigned. They will almost always have something available unless the plane is packed full, which these days they're not really. Would you agree with that, Tim? That's that that's like a legit hack. I would agree that that is a good hack. Yeah, I did, I, we're going to get into that a little bit more in my second question. But my number one travel hack, and this is something that I firmly believe, and I've been doing it since the summer of 2017, is I never wear underwear when I fly. <laughs> never, ever, ever. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I have a theory that I have proven true to myself. If you don't wear underwear when you fly you adjust yourself 60%, 66% less, okay? So you're 66% more comfortable in your seat for a long period of time. I don't understand what any of that means. So please enlighten me. Well, in the summer of 2017, I spent a lot of time in Asia and I was on many flights, you know, across the ocean. Don't tell me this is an Asian cultural thing. Don't even play that card. It's not an Asian cultural thing. It's my <laughs> cultural thing. I figured out about halfway through the summer that if I didn't wear underwear on the plane, I was a lot more comfortable, especially, you know, walking through the airports, sitting in the plane the entire time without being uncomfortable, having to move around. So it's nice. It's a nice thing to do on a long haul flight. 
And now I do it on short haul flights too. How did you figure it out? I want to know that. And you're like, oh, I figured it out at some point. You figured it out because one day you were like, I'm going to be a, a dirty man and not wear underwear today. That very well might be true. I don't remember exactly what prompted it at first. It was probably because I'd been on the road for a long time and hadn't done laundry in a while. When you do this, does part of you think like that the person next to you, you get like some sick pleasure that the person next to you like has no idea that you don't have any underwear on? And you're like, if only they knew, if only they knew I was going commando, like, <laughs> oh, they freak out, but they don't know. They don't know. I know, but they don't know. Exactly. They don't. Nobody knows except me. And it doesn't matter because the, the unknown thing is that people do that all the time. I only do it on planes, but other people do it all the time. You're a sick fuck. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that'll settle that one. Number one travel hack. My next question for you, Evan, and I have a story because it just happened to me. Have you ever flown standby? Never. So I just, this is what happened. I, everybody who's traveled this summer knows that flights have been getting canceled left and right. They've been rearranged. Every time you're about to fly somewhere, you get a text message that says your flight has been moved by three minutes. Then it's been moved by an hour and a half. Then it's been canceled completely and it's been merged together with another flight. This is especially true if you're flying in and out of regional airports. So on my way home from Traverse City, Michigan to Grand Junction, Colorado, three days ago, uh, I had my layovers condensed so tightly that they were 25 minutes long and 31 minutes long. So I showed up super early to the Traverse City Airport. I'd been on the app in the morning, figured out I could get on uh, uh, the standby list for an earlier flight. It was pretty hectic because they said the flight was full. And so I was thinking there was no chance I was going to get this standby seat. But lo and behold, I'm standing there right in front of the gate the entire time while they're boarding. They finally put me on the plane, and I even had an aisle seat. It was amazing. So but standby in general, though, don't you, don't you have to basically agree to be standby? You show up to the airport not knowing if you're going to get on a flight. And then if you do, you're lucky. You get it for cheaper or whatever. But if you don't, you just have to go home. Like I, I never understood standby. It's such a roll of the dice, right? What I had thought that, but what the deal actually is, is to be on standby, you have to have a boarding pass because you have to go through security, right? So generally, most standby passengers, as I understand it now after having experienced it, have a flight, but it's later, and they want to get on an earlier flight or a different flight to somewhere else. But how often does that even happen? Because like, if I, I don't know, if I book a flight, it's because I want to be on that flight. You know, it's not because I want an earlier flight. If I wanted the earlier flight, I'd book that flight. But but what I'm saying is all summer, the airlines have been changing the flights around so much because of all the travel chaos and the pilot shortage. So my uh, flights right. had been changed. I did not want this itinerary that I had. No, OK, I can see that. That, that is a good hack, I guess. What I found and it kind of confirmed when we did the episode with uh, Betty in the sky with a suitcase a while ago, and she was talking about how. You know, you can absolutely be a friendly person to airline personnel and they will help you because people are so often rude to the airline personnel. Like I was pretty nice to the woman at the counter. Like I was super polite. I stood where she asked me to stand. I didn't hound her every 10 minutes. There were several other people that wanted the standby seat and I got it. Uh, yeah. So I, I actually, I'll tell you when I um, <clears throat> flew back from Germany, I took Betty's advice. I was like, Betty said, do something small and nice for the flight attendants and they'll, they'll treat you really well. I had a two euro coin in my pocket that I was flying back with. And I was like, well, I can't use this in the US. No use for this. Don't need it. I'm going to give this to a flight attendant. 
and we'll see what that gets me. So I'm, I'm on Lufthansa and I get on the flight and I, I wait to see, I sit down, I wait to see who the flight attendant's going to be that, that serves my like area. Um, and then when she comes around the first time for like drinks, I give her the two euro coin. And I was like, Oh, like, thanks. This is for you. And she looked like confused at first because I don't think that happens a lot. And she pretended she said thanks and took it. And I guess I was just sitting there waiting the entire flight for some like first class upgrade <laughs> and some like gigantic gift basket as a, as a reciprocal gesture. Nothing, you know, nothing. You didn't even get a free cocktail. I don't get anything. No, two euros wow. down the drain. It's all right. It's good karma. I did something nice for somebody. So either that or you creeped her out because you thought you were trying to hit on her. I, I don't think money is the best thing to give someone like Betty said, like, oh, a bag of M&Ms or like some chocolates or some, you know, you know, something that isn't monetary. I think they appreciate, I'm sure, monetary gifts, but I think it's a little creepier to be like do the handshake thing where you or you shake the money yeah. into somebody's hand. Yeah, that's always weird. That's weird no matter where you do it, I feel especially like. with coins. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that was my two for the day. All right. Well, my first for you is. And this is inspired by our guest today. What is the limit of what you would do online for money and fame? So, Tim, if you had an OnlyFans, where would you draw that line? I don't know. I don't think anybody would pay to see me post risque content. But I... assume they would. Not risque, just anything. Like what would like what I you know I what would you do? What would you a shirtless picture? You know, like would you? I would do a shirt. There's probably a shirtless picture on my Facebook if you really. Okay, so to let's take that. it a little further. Let's take this one step further. Uh, would you do a pantsless picture? Guy Ray doesn't wear underwear, so that might be problematic. But I maybe I I don't know, man. I think that the uh, OnlyFans is funny. One thing I've always thought about, that not just OnlyFans, but online content creators in general, YouTubers, etc., is I feel like what you are willing to put on the internet changes depending on the phase of life that you're in. Like to me now, like about to be a dad, probably I would not put a, a pantsless photo up on the internet, you know? You wouldn't do anything. Okay. There is nothing that I would allow people to watch me do online, I think, now that I think about it. Nothing? Literally nothing. I wouldn't even want people watching me eat a slice of pizza. There's something about knowing that eyes are on you, even if you can't see them, that freaks me out. Like even sitting here talking to you on video chat, makes me kind of nervous, Tim. I mean, the few times that um, like my camera wasn't working a few months ago and I had just a blank screen so I, so you couldn't see me, I definitely felt way more at ease. Interesting. I, I, I wonder, is that why? Because I believe like a year or more, probably even before COVID, I saw you do like a, a, either an Instagram live or a Instagram story video of you in Svalbard where you were like walking people through the house that you were staying at. But but you've never done it since. I don't remember that specific instance. I, maybe I did do that, but I that definitely haven't done it since because the knowing that like people are gonna like be watching that and like judging how I am, like even the videos I take and post on Instagram, like for other travel stuff, it's I'm in maybe five percent of that video. It's all just like the you know the scenery and stuff. It's not good. That's not. I don't think it's a self esteem thing. It's just I don't think people want to see me. Like they want to see the destination. Yeah. I feel the same way. Like I'm in very few of my social media photos. I don't know. I don't understand the voyeurism fetish. People who like having sex while other people watch them. Like if I tried to do that on OnlyFans, it'd be the weirdest sex ever. I probably wouldn't even be able to perform at all knowing that thousands of people 
or <laughs> let's be honest, maybe three people maximum might be watching at home. <laughs> so to sum up, it's not that I'm worried about the morality of it or any employer seeing something illicit that I'm doing online. It's all about me being able to do my best work. Like I'm a perfectionist, you know, like if I'm going to put out content like that, like risque content online for everyone to consume, you better believe it has to be me at my best. And with an audience, I would not be at my best. Well, to pivot to my next question, but in a similar vein, if your daughter who's coming next month, very exciting. If your daughter was to become an influencer, what kind would you want her to be? That's a good question. Um, probably I want to say like whatever her passion is, but if, if it's me being like, you should do this, it would probably be like her being like a pro snowboarder, like a little, a little shredder on the hill when she's like 10. I had an inkling you were going to say something like that. I mean, I know you would be a hat influencer. I think for me, I would be an influencer for like really weird and niche local businesses, places that don't usually have, that don't, aren't usually sponsors of anything. Like we have a store here that sells flowers and socks and that's it. Flowers and socks. That's their thing. How hilarious would it be to be an influencer for that store? You just build them up a strong social following just by being ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, a cartographer's workshop. Yeah, those do still exist. Cartographers. Absolutely. Nat, they makers. Do. Nat Geo. Nat Geo probably employs a thousand yeah. of them. I'm a cartographer influencer. Like, how about that? Influencers are always slinging like hard seltzers, clothes, whatever. Now imagine you get up there and start promoting a funeral home or something. Like, how funny would that be? Promoting a funeral home, like what a concept that must be to do. Like, how do you how do you work in the marketing direct the marketing department at a funeral home? A super hot girl, like in a bikini, that's just like laying down into a coffin as an influencer for a funeral home. Like, <laughs> this beach is so beautiful that I could just die. And if I did, I would definitely use like Masters and Conte funeral home. I'm envisioning you though. I, I would have picked for you pizza influencer. I would have picked for you. You like go to obscure places like Europe, like, and you go to like the Balkans and, and eat like street pizza. I, that, that's, that's, that's fine. I think there's a, there's enough of that though. I think the market's oversaturated with pizza influencers and food stuff. I think the funeral home market's really the untapped market I'm looking for. We, that's, that's what we need is we need a sponsorship for Eben. We need, Eben is looking to make the move from podcasting to on-screen acting, and that's the way he's going to do it. Well, Lauren did make the move from being just an OnlyFans content creator to hosting her own travel show, so we're going to get right into that with Lauren in just a second. We'll see you guys on the other side. Lauren Blake has been a cover girl for Maxim, Now, and Elements. She gained viral fame on OnlyFans, which she's parlayed now into her own travel show on OnlyFans TV, touring luxury accommodations around the world. Lauren, welcome to No Blackout Dates. Thanks for being here. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here and get a chance to talk with you guys. Yeah. First of all, for those who might be listening who don't know, Talk a little bit about OnlyFans from the creator side of things. What is it? How do you make money from it as a creator? Uh, who signs up for this stuff? I think a lot of people have a misconception that it's basically all sexually explicit content. It's all basically porn. So mm -hmm. set the record straight. What is yeah. what, what is OnlyFans? 
I'm happy to do so. So that was the old stigma that it was just, you know, originated as this type of like porn site, but it is completely different nowadays. I think they only have like 20% of that now, but um, basically on the creator side. So what we were able to do is you have your social media platforms, right? You have your Instagram, your Twitter and all this, and you produce content, you work really hard for it. But OnlyFans specifically gave us a platform where we could monetize that. So being able to fund your brand and receive, you know, um, tips or really connect with fans on a deeper level than just like a, in a DM, basically. So the the type of content that you can put out on OnlyFans is just it it's whatever you want. So if, as a creator, what I like to do, obviously, I'm in the travel space, so I make videos, I do locked content. It's free to subscribe, or you can like make it a um, like a monthly subscription. Mine is personally free. Um, and then you can sell content, you can sell photos, videos, live streams, one-on-one -on -one messaging. That is huge to fans. Fans want to reach you, right? So they are in your DMs, but they're in that little like requested area and like they don't really get a chance to talk to you. By them coming to your OnlyFans, they really do get a chance to speak with you one-on-one, -on -one, talk with you, have exchange content one-on-one. -on -one. And, um, and then you can post on your wall, just kind of like how you would your other platforms as well. But the selling point of content, being able to put a price tag on that, and even having your fans want to like help you fund like your next trip or like your next fitness venture, like that platform, OnlyFans allows them to do so. Let's get a little specific to your account. So for free, you said your account is free. What is the kind of content that someone would get just by subscribing for free? Like, what is that? versus what people would get if they pay for content. Yeah, of course. So if they went to my page, so it's onlyfans.com slash Lauren Blake. And if they went there, they would see my wall because they could just click. You have to enter a credit card just to like make an OnlyFans just in case you want to start spending. But originally, so you just press subscribe and going down my wall, you just see very fun like travel photos or like just my life photos, maybe a live stream that I had done and I can save it and post it so you can watch. 30 minutes of me talking to other fans. And um, and then when you come to the locked content, so the locked content is exclusive content. So that's stuff you're not gonna see anywhere but here, at least for me. Um, I wouldn't feel right about charging someone for it and then posting it for free on my Instagram, it doesn't work like that over here. But um, yeah, so the locked content could be a range of things. It could be like for music artists, it could be a secret song. Or for me, it could be more sexy stuff. Like I do like to, put out sexy posts and all this. So if I'm shooting a travel show, let's just say in the Bahamas, and I'm going to post for free on my wall, pictures from the Bahamas, videos from the Bahamas, but I'm going to lock the content, which is the sexy bikini photos, maybe some water shots, maybe some like, some a little bit more risque stuff that I would just not put out for free anymore. So what is the difference that draws you to OnlyFans as opposed to something like Patreon? Is it the interaction? I, I, I'm unfamiliar with how the interactions on Patreon are compared with OnlyFans. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's funny that you say that. I actually started with the Patreon. Okay. I started with the Patreon and I would do like a subscription per month. And I worked super hard, paid all these photographers and locations and outfits to create this awesome content, but only for that like small subscription amount. And then my girlfriend, on the other hand, she was doing OnlyFans already. And this was kind of, this was kind of, this was before COVID, before it really blew up. And um, she was like, well, your fans can't tip you? That's so weird. What if they just want to send you 20 bucks? Like, I was like, no, they can't do that. 
Mm-hmm. And she was like, and you don't have these messages? I was like, no. So it was like lacking features. And she was like trying to get me to go over, go over. But the thing was, OnlyFans had this stigma, right? If you are a girl and you have an OnlyFans, you are putting a cucumber up your vagina. You are showing everything. <laughs> you are like just doing the most. You are, you're a sex worker. That's what it was back then. So there was this like, oh my God, I can't, I can't do it because everyone's going to think these things of me when this is not the case. And finally I was convinced. I looked at what she was doing. I was like, you know, whatever. So I went over and that's when Unruly came in and helped with all that. But um, moving over to OnlyFans was definitely a power move for me because there was so many more avenues to increase revenue. Right. And Unruly is your agency? Yes. Yes. I'm with Unruly Agency. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate on them a little bit and how they've helped you build up your following? Because I think what when people think of OnlyFans, they think of this DIY, I'm putting this out, you're paying me to do it, end of transaction. But when you're working with an agency, how does that work and how have you built up your following? Oh, yeah. So not only do they do an amazing job at just like helping us with the accounts, any question, helping us strategize more. Um, but they provide a lot of value. So for instance, like if I'm shooting stuff and I'm not traveling, I'm like, I'm just gonna shoot in my house, right? Or maybe go to a location. They provide like locations and photographers so you can get creative and make content worth selling. You know, no, and these guys don't really wanna see it if it's like, all right, I've seen this bedroom 40 times, you know what I mean? So it's like, they do really a good job at like helping us spice it up, really creative ideas. They give me ideas for my OFTV shows. Um, help me with the editing and the back end kind of processing with that as well. Let's talk about the fans for a sec. What kind? <laughs> I mean, it's all about them. It's it is only fans, you know. Uh, yeah, it's not, always. It's not only Lauren. It's only fans. So yeah, exactly. So what? What are some of the strangest interactions you've had or requests? Because I think people probably request stuff of you all the time. Oh yeah. Via DM, via message. Like, what are some of the weirdest fan interactions you've had? <laughs> names names emails addresses you know obviously get really personal with this i mean it ranges people are weird like we're all weird right but the fetishes out there and the stuff that people want to pay for or like offer is it's pretty out there like i fortunately like the most messages i get like the is the fetish stuff so it's the i want to see your feet i want to see you doing this i want to see you like it just I want to see you spitting on something. You know, it, it, they have these fetishes where they will pay any amount to see you do this. Like, or if they want to buy things from you, like send me dirty socks and like that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, well shit, okay. <laughs> like I, I bought these socks for $10, but I'm going to sell them to you for a thousand. Like, you know, like that kind of stuff. And it's like, they, they love it. And that's perfect because it's a win-win because yeah, I'm winning and like you're happy about it. So perfect, perfect. Um, but luckily I haven't had any like freaky, scary type of interactions once I, like my fans have always been really supportive. They've always like kept, they've always kept their cool at least. I've like had some girlfriends who were like, oh, one of my girlfriends, she had a fan send a photo of her house to her. Like he was outside <laughs> and I was like, what? This? Like, that is the crazy shit where I'm like, all right, now we're pulling the plug. But cause it's dangerous. Yeah, that is so inappropriate. Right? I want to know like what's what's going through his head when he's doing that, thinking it's a really good idea. He'll be like, "Yeah, like I'm gonna send her this picture. She's gonna see it and be like, oh my god, it's so thoughtful. What a nice guy!' Like, oh, 
Right? She's just going to be like, oh, you're outside? You should come in. Like, what? You should totally come in. We'll hang out. Like, we'll make an OnlyFans together. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> exactly. It's like, no, you're going to look outside and you think you're going to see, like, a Freddie or Jason mask. Like, that's what's really going to happen. Yeah. But um, luckily, I haven't had any of those types of interactions. It's always been really positive. But like I say, that fetish stuff does come often because everyone has their kink. I know I have one. I know y'all have one. Everyone, like, kind of has one. But sometimes they're a little far-fetched where I'm like, so sure about that one but luckily my fans are so good they always respect my boundaries if I'm like I'm not comfortable doing that then they're like they don't push me well what is the in terms of people requesting items to be sent to them is the socks the the craziest thing that someone that you've actually sent somebody or is it (laughs) has it been ratcheted up like what if I know you probably get a lot of requests but in terms of what you've actually done what you've actually sent to people the socks and then I think a couple years ago I sent underwear I sent underwear and then, but not recently. That's gotta be the number one thing that people ask for, right? Yeah, they want it, they want it, exactly. They want your underwear, they want your socks, but they want everything. They like want old makeup brushes, they want your dirty towels, they want like your (laughs) gym's equipment. Like, I mean, it's like, at this point, the way they ask me, I'm like, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to rebuy my closet. <laughs> right, like when when you go to this store, so you're going to go mail a pair of dirty socks to somebody, and you're like walking in and buying a box to put it in, yeah. and then shipping it out, and like the person behind you in line is probably like, what the hell is she doing, sending socks in this box? <laughs> I'm like, mm, yeah, exactly. It has to be discreet. My self-esteem is in the gutter right now. I couldn't, I couldn't pay somebody three hundred dollars to take my dirty socks, and yeah, people are paying you. That's unbelievable yeah it's funny i mean so so that's the people wanting memorabilia from you in terms of people requesting content like specialized individualized content is that something that then only they get to see so if they're paying for uh, a special request then that's private to them so say you you do the request and only they get to see it or is that on your private channel that anyone who pays gets to see No, that's right. So it's like customs basically is what I call them. So if I'm speaking with someone that's like, oh, I'd like you to do this and I'd like you to say my name. I'll be like, okay, yeah. Then like, that's fine. We'll like, you know, work out something. And then that's like their custom video. And it's going to, let's just say it's Tim. Tim wants a video of me and my uh, bikini out by the pool putting on tanning oil. It's like, okay, Tim. I'm going to give this to you and I'm going to send it to just you, Tim. No one else is ever going to see it. I'm going to talk it to you and I'll like say names and all that just to ensure because I don't want my fans to think that I'm like chopping it up and sending it to other people too because that would just like defeat the purpose. And it's the personalization that people really like, I bet. Because even like porn, millions of people are watching the same video. So it's not, it's not, you don't get that Mm -hmm. like a personal experience. So I think that's the thing. Right. That is the, that's the whole point. Yeah, you're so right. It's, it's all about that, the interaction the fans feel with you. They want to have a relationship with you. The reason why they want to go to OnlyFans to have that relationship with you is because they didn't have it on your other platforms. They couldn't reach you on your Twitter. They couldn't reach you on your Instagram. They can comment and they could DM, but it's so different. And even on Patreon, it wasn't even to that level. On OnlyFans, they're really able to establish that relationship with you where you talk to them daily. Hey, how's your life? How's your cat? Is your grandma doing better now? Like, have that type of interaction with you where they just feel so much closer to you and how did you decide where to draw the line in terms of how risque you want it to be um that was a tough one because it ranges you know and like obviously the more you show the more you'll probably get that's just like that's just math but 
for me, it was a little bit challenging just because of my personal morals. It was like an internal battle. It's like, why, does, why doesn't anyone just jump into the porn industry? Because there are repercussions. You know, your reputation is priceless. Your family may disown you. Who knows what could happen? It was, some things were outside of my moral boundaries where I was like, all right, I'm going to cut it here. Kind of on that note, let's talk a little bit about the proposed ban uh, that OnlyFans had put out a few weeks ago. What was the reaction of the, well, we, we kind of know the general reaction of the creators community. What was your reaction to that? I was like, oh, shit. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I was like, all these girls that do this crazy stuff, because it's only for porn girls. Like, it was like, we would all be fine, because, you know, we're just selling, like, other types of content. But for these chicks, they're going to leave the platform, and then they're going to take all their subscribers with them. So I was like, oh, man. It was just a, it was just a bad idea. It's like, it actually happened because there was something with um, – like the bank transactions with OnlyFans on the back end, but I think that they worked it out and that's not the case anymore and they can remain. Um, don't quote me on that, but we'll see. How, and how did they define what sexually explicit content is? Because it sounds like some of the stuff that you do could be defined as sexually explicit. It's not, even if it's not porn. So what's, where do they draw that line? I, I don't know. I think that OnlyFans, that ban was made for like, like like x-rated content okay if you just go down the guidelines for that x-rated content would probably have to it would get the boot and which is dumb because it's like if that's what's making them a ton of money they're like mm, never mind we're not going to do that anymore it's like well that's what built you you know yeah so it, it was an interesting and everyone was like it was funny all the memes going around it's like every girl back working at mcdonald's now that her only fans canceled like <laughs> just saying that that's the only thing that we're relying on but realistically a lot the majority of the models now on OnlyFans would be fine through that kind of scenario of anything now to rewind i guess to what you're doing before OnlyFans, was it biochem mm -hmm. or bio in that so you were pursuing a career in biochem do you still have aspirations to do that or are you pretty much <laughs> leaving that behind you you've opened a new chapter it's funny you know i think it's more like it's now turned into a hobby yeah, who doesn't who doesn't do a little biochem in their spare time? Like yeah. biochem is you know, <laughs> exactly just easy. doing some like yeah. yeah chemical calculations. It's all fun. We love OCHEM. Um, no, so I was on a completely different track when um, than this basically. So I started in the medical field. That was my I aspired to be a dermatologist. So I worked my whole life starting fifteen and a half. I was actually working in hospitals and all this um, all through my high school career. Then I went to college, did a biochem major worked in hospitals there, ER, trauma, dermatology, health ed, allergy, just rotations, trying to find my specialty. Stuck with derm, graduated college, top of my class with an honors degree, and popped out of college like, all right, let's go to med school. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna take one gap year, right? That's always the one. I was like, one gap year, just like really enjoy life and travel and get out there before I'm locked down for like eight years. So I was like, all right. Did that, and in that gap year, social media took off. Like, personally, for, for me, it was like, I immediately saw potential in this route, and I'm so glad I did. It was a hard, it was a hard um, jump to take. It was like a risk, you know? It's like I'm leaving all this behind to, you know, venture down this new path that could or could not work. And my, all my family is like, what are you doing? Like, you've been working at this your whole life. I'm like, well... Now I want to do this and I'm just going to see. So I moved to LA and 
really amassed a great following and it opened so many doors. It was, in hindsight, the best move I have ever made. I think that's such a great case study for just the social media age in general. Like you go mm -hmm. on this professional, you're, you're in college, you have this career track, you graduate, you're mm -hmm. like, oh, let's take a year off. And then you enter this world of influencing and uh, traveling. And you're like, you know what, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and do my own thing. And that's just the story of so many people, especially so many people that we've talked to on the show. Exactly. And it's like, it, the way that it's going now too, it's like that education route. It's like, do I want to be $300,000 in debt to do this? Or it's like now there were these platforms are rising where you could make as much as a doctor and not have that time out of your life and that money spent. Yeah. You could be a chump and go to med school for eight years and make the same money as you just selling your underwear to people. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. It is wild. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just such an amazing time in life where people can really just make something out of nothing just from their devices just from your phone just from your content like you can it's very possible for anyone to do that so you and you've kind of taken that even to the next level now by moving to OnlyFans tv hosting a travel show showcasing luxury properties let's let's get into that a little bit and and where the travel aspect has come into your career what take us through that the transition and where you are now of course so I mean, we all love to travel. I have loved to travel since I was a little girl. My mom was actually a flight attendant, so I have passes nice. to fly. So my dad and I would always be going on church, like little vacations, just using the passes because you fly for free. And uh, so it started from a very young age, seeing all these places, getting excited. It's just like such a nice feeling to to travel. And um, as I grew older, you know, I was really locked down with school, and I was kind of like itching to do it, itching to do it. And when I finally graduated school, I was like out. So started traveling like crazy. I've been many beautiful places with lots of fun people. And I was like, you know, I started posting it on Instagram because it was what I was doing. You know, at that point, you're just kind of like posting your life. So I'm here, I'm taking these photos. And my followers really, really liked it. My audience really engaged. I even grew. I was being reposted on these other pages. And I saw the numbers come in and I was like, hold on, there's something to this. These people want to see this. I'm attracting this audience. This is, this is great. And then I started getting to the point where hotels were like, oh, you're in the area. I'd love to host you. Or a restaurant would reach out and say, hey, would you come in for a dinner for like a posting? I'm like, oh, this is amazing because now I'm doing what I love and I'm having these people invite me to do this. I'm like, this is just awesome, right? Right. And as it grew, obviously we were up to like many th hundreds of thousands of followers and good engagement with the posts. It just became a full-time thing where it was like these hotels, they want influencers. Influencers are like really a great tool of marketing. They're not going to post on, you know, they're not going to put up a commercial on cable TV because no one's really watching that. You know, they're able to market themselves through someone like myself. So with that it became more of a career so it was like okay now you're getting payment now you're getting free trips you, now you're getting experience you're getting to love what you do let's just keep doing this and then going into the travel show obviously i made it very clear that i love to travel i also wanted to show other people that it is possible to travel i wanted to inspire other people to get out and to see the world 
and I don't know, have that feeling that I get when I travel. You know, I want other people to be inspired to do this. So I want to show them the coolest places all over the world and then be like, wow, I'd love to go there. Wow, maybe I should travel. Wow, it could be possible for me even if, you know, I'm on a budget. Like, there's ways around it. So it was a big step to be able to, like, really showcase the beauty of travel, especially with the pandemic when everyone was scared to go outside. Now it's like showcasing, this is okay. I put in my videos now, in my episodes, I'll say, you know, I'll show my COVID testing process and I'll show like what documents I need for what place to go to. You know, obviously that changes, but it shows people that it's still, still a possibility, hopefully inspire them to do it. Do you ever get imposter syndrome where you're at like these, like being treated to these luxury hotels and getting pampered? And you're kind of like, who am I? Like you're back to the college mindset and you're like, I can't yeah. believe I'm actually like in this thousand dollar a night hotel and people are treating me this way. Yeah, all the time, all the time. It's like, it's so, I'm so glad you brought that up, but it's a very great moment to like reflect and be like, yeah, who am I? Like, how am I here? But be like, I am here. I'm here for a reason, like I work to get here, I'm so grateful to be here, you know, and then reflect on your past where you were and then reflect where you are now. And I just feel like that moment specifically always makes me feel so grateful of how far I've come. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And, and the show itself, talk to us a little bit about that. So you are touring kind of luxury villas, accommodations, hotels, what exactly is the premise of the show? Oh yeah, so so I started it with the with the mind of like, I want to show these luxurious places that I'm at because these are amazing. People should see these. Maybe we can inspire people to want to come here someday. Um, the show kind of translated into more of showcasing a city rather than a hotel. So I have a mix of um, a mix of like a thirty thousand dollar a night Maldives overwater bungalow villa, you know, something like that, versus just going around Paris and showing like the Palace of Versailles. Um, I, I love the hotel features for the really cool hotels, like the one in Africa, we did an episode in Kenya and it was at Giraffe Manor. Have you guys heard of that? You seen it? No. It's like all over Instagram where the giraffes come up to your window oh, and oh, breakfast yeah, with you. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, okay. We wrote about <laughs> that actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that place is like all over social media cause it's so Instagrammable, you know, but, um, a place like that is so unique. It's like, this has to be, this whole episode has to be about here, you know? Uh, we did other cool things that trip with baby elephants and other things, but like the hotel was it. So showcase the hotel. And I'm pretty honest with my reviews. Like when I'm talking about it, like I'll tell them what I do like and what I don't like just so that people are aware. I'm like, you know what, this place, you, you can have a giraffe eating out of your palm at six in the morning from your window, but also there's no AC, so don't come in the summer when you're just going to be sweating all night, you know? Or like maybe the food sucks or like something like that. So I'll like be honest with like things I don't like to try and keep it real. That's refreshing because I feel like you never get honest information from people on these shows. Mm -hmm. It's always everything is amazing. The food is the best thing they've ever tasted. Yeah. It's, so you'll straight up say, Views are great, giraffes are great, food sucks. Like you'll you'll say that. You're okay <laughs> yeah, with that. pretty much. That's good. Yeah, I always say something because also it's like if people think like, all right, she's being paid to say these things, they're not gonna trust you. They're not gonna watch your stuff. They're not gonna say like if you want to inspire them to go somewhere, they're like, well, they probably paid her to say that, you know. So it's like totally discredits you to where like you have to keep it real, and that's how you keep it real. It's just by being honest. 
And how do you see all of this, you know, what you do and what your co-creators are doing, shaping kind of the future of work and the future of travel media? Because it seems to me like even coming up to a company like Matador Network, which is it is the underdog uh, when compared to a lot of the established corporate media, the momentum is with us these days. Do you agree with that? It's with the creators. It's with the smaller companies. It's with the nimble people that know how to take what they're doing and monetize it. She's like, nah, you guys are, you guys are fucked. It's not, the yeah. momentum is not with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. I really am with you on that. I think that you're spot on. I do. There's a lot of change right. to be had. Like influencers and like the smaller people, they just like, they do hold a lot of power. Like, you know, you have like a really, cause you, it doesn't matter if you have a ton of viewers or audience and they kind of listen, or if you have like a very small group that is like die hard, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's funny because I was talking to my friend the other day, who's a little sister, who's like 15. She wants to be an influence. Like when she grows up, she wants to be like a social media influencer. Like that is her chosen career. And it, it was interesting to me because you would never get that as an answer from anybody when we were 15 years old well it didn't exist then though, so it's, i know, know it didn't exist and it's like it's so crazy i think that's very a co really common thing now and why wouldn't you want to be that you know it's great so it's crazy that it's it's like the the, the new i want to be a doctor i want to be a fireman i want to be a like a, in marketing whatever it's now like i want to be an instagram star yeah and it's it's so it's crazy well, that's all they see, you know, these kids nowadays, like they're looking at the feeds, they're watching their favorite influencers and they're like, I want to do this. I want to do this. We didn't really have that. You know, we were on like the MySpace, like, well, you know, whatever, maybe. But even then, it live was journal. Like, yeah. <laughs> even then it was like, if I was 15 and I saw these girls going to go to the Met Gala because they dance little sounds in their living room. Hell yeah, that's what I want to do. Why would I go and go be a doctor when I could just do that? That's dope. Like I'd rather do that, honestly. And there's no shame in that whatsoever. There's it's like people no. hate on it all the time, but like you know what? They work nine to five jobs, and you can send your underwear to people and make five thousand dollars. So <laughs> it's the joke's on them, isn't it? Exactly. It's like there's there's so many avenues for it, and it's like, yeah, if I was a kid, I'd for sure probably want to do it too. Um, well, I guess we'll get into our next segment, which is listener questions. So every week we source questions from listeners that are on topic and we pick the best one and we ask you and we get your opinion. Um, so this question says, I considered starting an OnlyFans mid pandemic, but was too afraid of what my friends and family might say if they found out, which they obviously would. Was this ever a concern for you? Yep. Oh, we yeah. talked about this already a little bit. How did you think your family would, has it been um, uh, an explanation process with your family when you did start it? Was there questions you had to field? Uh, did anyone judge you for it? Oh yeah. I, what that submission said, I think is what probably 80% of people that started one felt. Like it was the pressure with the stigma and it was like, ooh, like this, is, this could be bad. Um, especially early on because in the pandemic is when it blew up because everyone's just at home, you know? So it's like, they're just sitting on their computers yeah. talking to you. So, um, with the family, it's yeah, you're everyone, people are going to know it's hard to hide it, especially if you're trying to promote it and, you know, like drive traffic from your other social media, like, like the family will know the friends will know. And there is that like, oof, is this bad? Blah, blah, because that stigma. But personally I was able to deal with it because, once I did it, I convinced 
because my other girlfriends came to me with the same thing, saying, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Told them this is what's happening, showed them my page, showed them my numbers, made them feel comfortable that this is a possibility, that you don't have to stick a cucumber up there to try and get these, you know, these numbers. And right. <laughs> that's why um, they all kind of jumped on the bandwagon. And now it's like, you don't have an OnlyFans? Why, not? Why, why are you sleeping on it? Like, what? You don't have one? Why? And even with my family, my mom, oh just ready to disown me looked it up online saw what it was oh how could you and i was like just trust me please work through it and then now i like let her go through my page and it's like my wall post it's like very you know pg stuff she sees my travel show and now she's like so proud and i'm like exactly it's like you just have to trust the process you know it's also like becoming destigmatized more and more it's almost like meeting your significant other on tinder was th- had a huge stigma around that like five years yeah. ago, six years ago, and now everyone mm-hmm. everyone has like a wife or a husband that they met from Tinder, and that's totally fine. So, yeah, I think OnlyFans is going the same way. Yeah, I know people that have gotten together through OnlyFans, like actually linked up and had it work. Like through they were part of the creator community, or they one of them followed the other as a fan. It was it's actually a model and a fan. Oh wow! It's real. Like it can happen. It's real. Like. It can. It's because the return address was on the box of socks. That's <laughs> yeah. how. That's no, it's how like it a happens. real thing. Like, you know, it, the way that the stigma is going, it's like there are so many creators on OnlyFans that are just musicians. My chiropractor has one, you know, and he's just like posting his like teaching um, tricks for chiropractic, other chiropractors because they like he's really good. Um, fitness, singers, selling exclusive songs like it's just there's so even celebrities you know like didn't cardi b launch one like i mean a tiger has one does crazy shit but like there there's so much range to the creator space that it has in my opinion completely destigmatized only fans as when it first started pandemic as long as there's like a sect of people that are into a certain thing no matter how niche it is that person, as a creator, putting out that content could make real money doing it. You know, doesn't matter how weird exactly. it might seem to other people. Like, I have a friend who, this is weird. He can't fall asleep unless he listens to the ambient sound of a barbershop. So he pulls <laughs> he pulls up YouTube and he listens to like barbershop ambient like barbershop sounds, and that's how he falls asleep every single night. Just like like just the buzzing of like a razor and like clipper. He that's like how he falls asleep. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. But I could I could oh see gosh. a barber starting an OnlyFans, just like yeah. there might be a whole bunch of people out there that are like him, you know, and yeah, like exactly. whether they fall asleep to it or it's just like a nice they work <laughs> in the background, they like like to work to that sound. Who knows? But that's it, actually yeah. that's funny. I, I've never heard of that. The barber sound <laughs> me, is the white me noise. Me neither. <laughs> yeah. But I might actually go look it up and be like, does this sound nice? Like <laughs> it's like a thing. It's, it's a thing. It's a, it's I've never been in a barber shop. Obviously, I have long hair, um, right. dude. But. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. And let's just say that barber does have an OnlyFans, okay? Um, other barbers that like his work, maybe he's like teaching. It's he's posting a video saying, "Hey, subscribe. I'm gonna tell you how I get this nice fade." Yeah, and then he's gonna get sponsored by all the razor companies, and he's gonna have like exactly. the really nice razor. And then all the rockabilly kids are gonna show up at his shop. Like <laughs> he's gonna blow up. What? Speaking of like these weird niches that people fall into on OnlyFans, would you follow? Who would? I don't know. Do you follow anyone on OnlyFans? Do you subscribe to anybody? And would you? Ooh, I subscribe to all of my friends that have them because like we like to support each other. It's similar to like an Instagram. We follow sure, each other. Right. We like and comment on each other's stuff. We engage. It just shows support. 
Um, we do that on OnlyFans just the same. So I follow all my girlfriends. I follow the other girls that are in my agency. I like to see what they're doing too to even make notes for myself. Like, oh, it's I forgot that it's uh, about to be Halloween, you know, and they're posting their their Halloween outfits. And I'm like, oh yeah, let me go make some content for that, you know. Is there a celebrity that you would follow if they had an OnlyFans? Oh, of course. I would follow Maluma. Do you know the Latin artist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the Latin music artist. I would follow him for sure. Okay. Um, I was on. I followed Tyga for a little bit just because it was like blew up that he had followed. He like made one, hmm. um, but he was doing some crazy shit on there. So I, <laughs> I, I knew that one real okay. quick. I was like, I don't want that on my feed. <laughs> I'm good. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's there's probably a lot of people that. I would follow. Would you would you follow Tim if he made a, an, an OnlyFans for his hat influencing? I already follow Tim's OnlyFans. You just don't know about it yet. <laughs> That's true. I'm not I'm not the target audience. I got you, Tim. I'll send you the link. I'll send you the Perfect. link. Perfect. <laughs> nice. You're my first fan. My first fan. Woo. <laughs> I, the last question from me is, are you drinking a White Claw? <laughs> I thought you were going to ask that. Actually, it's a Celsius. I wish it was oh, a white claw. Shit. Okay. I wish it was a white claw, but I need an energy drink. Evan loves white claw, so I was like, Do "Oh you? man, like you guys could be cheersing your white claws <laughs> together." But so you don't have one open right now, do you? Though no, my ideal sponsor for this is White Claw, but unfortunately, this is not a, uh, a video-based <laughs> podcast. So I was gonna say, if that's a sponsor, there no one's gonna see it. <laughs> no, there we go. This is actually not, but I, I do wish it was. Yeah, I do wish it was. May, may have to go open one right now. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's Friday, you know? It is Friday. Yeah, exactly. Hey, it's 545 on the East Coast and it's Friday. Mm -hmm. so It's time. It's White Claw time. All right, <laughs> Lauren, it has been enlightening to have you on. Fascinating stuff. Thanks again for being here. Where can people find you on OnlyFans and find your OnlyFans TV show? Mm -hmm. So my OnlyFans is OnlyFans.com slash Lauren Blake. And then on my... Instagram, it is Instagram.com slash Lauren Blake, but I have three E's at the end. So it's B-L-A-K-E-E-E. -E -E. And then for the OnlyFans TV show, it is on um, OnlyFans TV, which is an app you can download similar to like a Netflix or like, you know, a, a Prime Video. And OFTV, it's called Travel with Lauren. So pretty basic around the name. And yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It was so nice to talk to you guys too. Everyone subscribe, check her out, buy her wardrobe. You know, it's all for sale. <laughs> absolute fire sale so forget it while it's still there <laughs> exactly just message message me we'll, we'll talk about it <laughs> all right lauren take care all right th thanks guys bye welcome to our next segment which is news of the day where we recap some of the week's most interesting travel news and thanks again to lauren for coming on that was a great interview and I now know everything I need to know about starting my OnlyFans. So thanks again, Lauren. Today's first article that we're going to talk about is a report that was done by Reebok on the most fit countries in the world. And the article is called, This laid-back European country has the fittest people on earth. Can anyone guess what that country is, Tim? Denmark. Mm, good guess, but no. It is the Netherlands. Specifically, Amsterdam ah. is incredibly fit as a city. It's because uh, they bike as everywhere. a whole country. Exactly. So, yeah, they conducted this study and they used five metrics to determine the ranking, including a monthly cost of a gym membership, the number of people who walk and cycle to work, 
the level of insufficient physical activity countrywide and the obesity rate countrywide, um, as well as other environmental metrics like green spaces and air quality. So Netherlands, fittest country in the world. Not a big surprise. Yeah, not a big surprise there. I mean, when I was in Amsterdam, you literally you see people biking everywhere. Like there's there, if you go to the train station in, in central Amsterdam, there is a multi-level bicycle parking garage there. Like they literally ride their bikes everywhere they go. So it's no surprise really. And biking across the entire country of the Netherlands is like a very common uh, travel activity that people will, will plan a trip around and do. Where do we think the U.S. falls here on this ranking? Nowhere in the top 10. Not do we think it's 10. in the bottom 10? I think it's in the bottom 10. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I could click on the study and read it and actually get this information, but I prefer to just uh, speculate with it here. So, yeah, I, I'm going to guess that it's pretty low. I think, and I, my, I guess, uh, example of why I think this is, so when I was in uh, uh, Louisiana for a press trip, the whole thing was around Cajun food and sampling the Cajun food of the bayou. And I was like, okay, this that's nice. Four or five days of this, after like two days of eating only fried seafood, greasy heavy stuff for every meal i'm like all right like I, I could go for a salad you know give me just give me one salad with some grilled chicken on top that's all i want and then i'll then i'll be ready to go back to the uh, back to the cajun food the next day you cannot find on a menu anywhere where i was in the in like the several towns we visited on the cajun bayou anything that is under three thousand calories these can't doesn't exist and in that trip i started to realize this is why people in the southern states are so overweight and in a broader sense the u.s in general yeah and i think it's just a cultural thing you know like in the netherlands they don't think twice about eating healthier biking uh spending their time outdoors and doing those things and, and they have the opportunities there and and a government that supports that in the u.s you know, the fried food is celebrated. The uh, the driving the big trucks is celebrated. There's all these things that are culturally acceptable here that are terrible for, for a person's health and overall, the you know, the health of the air and the atmosphere and the cities. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just want to, I guess my only takeaway from this piece of news is that there's this stigma about people in the U.S. that they have no self-control, they're gluttonous, they have no, they, they don't care about being healthy. I think that even people who really want to be healthy have a hard time doing it because they just can't find healthy options. It's indisputable that they are less accessible than they are in other parts right. of the world. Right. And there are any number of reasons for that. There's a lot of you know issues with food deserts and stuff like that that we could dive into real deep. But it does come down to that, that in a large swaths of America, it's difficult to consistently find healthy, fresh food. Right. Anyway, I'm getting hungry. Let's go to the next one. Yeah, so the next one, uh, also based in Europe, uh, the there was a study published in Time Out magazine this week that surveyed a bunch of cities and a bunch of readers, 27,000 in fact, to find the most beautiful city in the world. And of course, that city is going to be... Flint, Michigan. Uh, known for its architecture. Yeah, known for its architecture, uh, having a good waterway. Uh, all these other things. You have any guesses, Evan, on what the most beautiful city in the world is, according to these twenty-seven thousand? Uh, Houston, Texas. Close, close. Oh, Colonial Williamsburg. I mean, you could see that. I, I could get some votes there, but uh, the most beautiful city in the world, according to Time Out, actually is Prague, 
which is probably no surprise to anybody that's been there, Evan. I know you've what been What is there. that, in like West Virginia or something? Yeah. What are your thoughts on Prague, Evan? Yeah, I, I do have one uh, Prague story, I guess, and it's that I was on this I, – I don't want to use the word hike, Tim, but I, I did have to walk up some elevation here. And you walk up this little hill, and there's a restaurant on top of the hill that has a nice view of the city. So I did this, and as I was walking down the hill, I think I took a wrong turn, and it goes through some woods, and there's this cabin that has like it's like a souvenir shop, and it's, it's a cabin. And this guy in a wizard costume jumps out at me, and by jumps out, I mean he stepped out casually, but it startled me because I wasn't paying attention. And he's like talking to me, and I'm like, I'm like, all right, this is like he wants me to go buy something from him, and he's like, have you ever seen magic? And I was like. Uh, no i don't don't think so it's like do you what do you want to see magic i'm like uh like i guess and he's like come into my basement downstairs and i will show you some magic and it's broad daylight there's people in his shop i didn't even know there was it looks like a one-story shop but he's like asking me if i want to go into his basement and see some magic and that i mean this is like this is how kids get lured into vans, you know? So I'm I'm just thinking, like, I'm kind of intrigued, but I kind of feel like the play here is no. So I said no. I was like, oh, no, I'm busy. I, I mumbled something incoherent probably, and I left. And I'll tell you, he looked very disappointed. He looked like I had, like, slighted him in some way. And I'll tell you, every day since then, I've thought, what magic was he going to show me in that basement? I don't know what magic you were going to see, but I can tell you one thing. It was either going to be really cool or absolutely terrifying. Maybe it was his only, maybe he was testing out his fledgling OnlyFans account and he wanted a, a focus group. So maybe I did get out of that one. Dodge your bullet there. All right, well, that'll do it for this week's episode of No Blackout Dates. Thanks again for listening and make sure to tune in next week for another great guest. Thanks again to Lauren for coming on. Make sure to check out her show on OnlyFans TV. Subscribe to her content. Check out what she's got going on over there. Oh, and make sure to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Leave us five stars, and we'd much appreciate it. Thank you. We'll see you guys next week.